Hello, and welcome once again to Yesterladies. Heather, what are we talking about today? Well, I'm just jumping right in. No jump preamble. Right in there. No introduction. You all know what's going on. Yeah. Well, Dana, today we are talking about the history of beauty contests. Oh, my. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about, and I think you guys will learn things. Uh, we learned a lot while researching, and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. So, all right, we, uh, <laughs> that's my sales pitch. That's great, Heather. <laughs> that's what I do to my students when we talk about semicolons. I mean, like, you guys are going to learn a lot. Anemic. <laughs> but we're going to, it'll become much more interesting. We swear the topic is better than my introduction of the topic. <laughs> it is. It is. And it goes all sorts of places. And I, I was kind of saying before we started that, um, I'm, I feel like I, you know, I should be objective and you know erase any notes of disdain from my voice but i i'm having a really hard time because i'm just gonna say that i i don't think beauty pageants are the best thing ever (laughs) (laughs) for full disclosure neither of us are fans of beauty pageants not particularly i mean there are you know we kind of read some stuff where people talked about you know some of the kind of i guess arguments to be made in their Mm. favor and like sure those exist but you know, for me personally, I feel like they're greatly outweighed by the, the cons mm, yes. <laughs> associated with beauty pageants. Yes. And I would agree with Dana's statement. She's just, she sums up the yester lady's opinion on unrepentant beauty. feminists. <laughs> bra burners. Yep. 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 All, oh my God. I can't even stop burning my bra. Every time I buy a new one, I'm like, I need to wear this, but then I just go and burn it. Don't have any bras left. Yep. All in cinders. Oh, and cinders in a smoldering heap on the bottom of my hamper. Just singed underwire lying around in the ashes. It's such an expensive habit. This is the weirdest digression we've ever had. Well, it's a more interesting introduction than your anemic. Like you're going to learn stuff from beauty patch. I'm sorry. I'm like I'm used to you introducing things, Dana. I've you're like I'm. You're my crutch. <laughs> I lean on you in, in the introductions. <laughs> I need a warning if I have to do the introduction and then okay. I can, can like work myself up for it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tiaras, okay. fake tans. Oh, and uh, a little plug for um, what was that stuff? Sticky ass spray? Oh, butt, butt stick spray? Butt spray. I can't remember the name. It was like what they use. It's like a, it's like an adhesive that yes. you use to stick your bikini bottom to your ass. So it doesn't ride up as you're strutting the stage in your heels. There's a market for this. Well, yes. Thanks to beauty pageants. There are also flippers. Did you read about flippers in child <gasps> beauty pageants? No. Because kids lose their teeth. <gasps> I have heard of these. So they have those rubbery prosthetics that they put in their mouth and grip, like a sports mouth guard. Um, right. But so that their teeth look perfect, even though they're in the midst of losing their teeth in the natural biological function of being a child. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't work for a company that makes either oh, sticky butt spray or... <laughs> Flippers. flippers for child beauty pageants yes <laughs> and if you do work for one of those companies we apologize but you should probably find another job because i'm sorry i just don't approve <laughs> and if you're the kind of person who's going to listen to yester ladies you probably already have an ethical dilemma working for the company you're working for right and you're of an intellectual bent to find our podcast so we feel that you have potential to be doing something more, more worthwhile more empowering with your life <laughs> that's yes. the pep talk you get from go us. back to school and get a degree in women's studies <laughs> yay that's our advice yeah. for, everyone. Practical. for everyone <laughs> every listener go back to school to take women's studies the world needs more women's <laughs> studies majors <laughs> well i mean you know probably it's probably <laughs> anyway okay back to beauty pageants <laughs> heather when did beauty pageants <laughs> begin well dana let me take you back through the mists of time to ancient Greece. I knew it! <laughs> the Greeks, can I just say the Greeks invented everything? They I mean, did. If, if you've seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding, I'm right on board with the main character's father who yep. claims the Greeks invented everything. So it feels like every historical review of a topic that we do starts with ancient, ancient Greece. Greece. It totally does. Ancient Greece, yeah. So, um, <laughs> however, they were they were perhaps a little egalitarian, being the Democrats they were. Uh, they ha- held beauty contests for both genders. So the can you, male... Can you say these words? Oh, I've been practicing. Oh, that's <laughs> no, exciting. Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I think I can. Okay. So euandria, mm-hmm. uh, which is a direct translation of good maleness, mm. were the contests for men. So male listeners, uh, perhaps you would have found yourself in a euandria uh, competing <laughs> to be the most attractive and most manly man in ancient Greece, uh, and Calistia for women. So those are the, these are the names of the contests, and uh, they were judged on the look on their looks as they paraded back and forth in front of the judges. So 
I thought about how over the span of centuries, the format of beauty pageants has really, like, how do you, you know, there's not really many other ways to judge someone's beauty besides having people walk around in mm-hmm. front of a panel of people judging them. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> basically the definition, I guess, of a beauty pageant. The arenas or forums of ancient Greece or the stages of Atlantic City in yeah. Las Vegas, you know. Modern it's... times have dressed them up with, with you know, more rigmarole and uh, more ostensible, um, legitimate mm. kinds of things like talent and um ridiculously complicated questions that you have to answer in 20 seconds but uh yeah i mean it's a contest looking for the most attractive in a, in a pool of people Proud. <laughs> yes yeah absolutely so um the greeks i think this, they're basically the earliest people we found evidence mm-hmm. of there being beauty contests um because for some reason the egyptians strike me as a, a people who would be really mm-hmm. into this <laughs> they, i guess they seem very aesthetic or very into aesthetics so i would not be surprised if someday a an egyptian uh you know hieroglyphic wall painting is found depicting an egyptian uh beauty contest but do not be misinformed this has not yet been discovered this no, is simply my hypothesis yeah <laughs> based on my very limited knowledge of ancient egyptian culture <laughs> so um so there was kind of a big gap i think then because yeah there's mm-hmm. yeah Ancient Egyptians. Ancient, well, ancient Greece. Oh, sorry, ancient, ancient Greece. Greece. Oh boy, I'm messing myself oh, up. Yeah, ancient and- Greece, and then not until like mm, at the earliest, kind of the mid 1800s, mm-hmm. do we get beauty pageants. And I mean, of course, you know, women have been judged on their looks for centuries, and right. that has not changed. But a, a formal contest judging <laughs> who is the most attractive—that uh, is a really kind of in its mod. That's a pretty modern invention at least in the form that that we know it so uh naturally the person who (laughs) started this trend and we were saying again before we started recording that it all seems to come back to this guy he just had his his chubby fingers in in just about everything Mm -hmm. um and I feel, I, you know, I don't feel too much remorse calling him chubby because P.T. Barnum was not the most decent of men uh, by most measures. I mean, he did a, a lot of shyster. things. He was a shyster. <laughs> he, was. he totally was. He's just every possible opportunity to exploit anyone or anything. He was on it like white on rice. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he started circuses and stuff, but really in the end, like, are circuses such a great thing? <laughs> kind of awful, especially historic circuses. Yeah. You know, there might be, I don't know. Cirque du Soleil, I'm okay with there that. There are cool <laughs> modern versions of circuses, but historical circuses were mm. awful. Yeah, no, P.T. Yeah. Barnum, boo. Boo. We're not, not, a, no, not a big fan. ladies, two thumbs down on P.T. Barnum. Yeah. yeah. So in 1854... Um, P.T. Barnum had been in the business, of course, of, he, as you said, he was always out to make a buck by just exploiting whatever. Uh, and <laughs> he had been in the business of promoting all sorts of different types of contests that judged things, things. for their attractiveness. So, Dogs. Yep. Flowers. flowers babies. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the natural progression. <laughs> women. Women. <laughs> all the decorative <laughs> items of your life. Right. But, uh, you know, one plug for the one one win, I guess, for the people of the past was that uh, his P.G. Barnum's women's beauty pageant didn't really take off because people at the time thought it, you know, uncouth and beneath high society ideals and, you know, beneath a, a lady's reputation to be parading in front of a panel of, of judges rather scandalous it is rather scandalous so he he tried with the female beauty pageants but they didn't really take off um so he he of course was not one to give up he realized that live pageants weren't making him any money but he came up with the idea of <laughs> asking for women I to submit this. now i is it daguerreotypes is that how you say that yep. word i feel like i always want to say derogotypes but that doesn't make nope. sense daguerreotypes which are those like like super old forms of of photographs mm-hmm. it's like, like the early earliest photo before modern right photos. and they were printed on metal rather than paper right so right um so he advertised for women to submit uh daguerreotypes of themselves for judgment <laughs> <laughs> and apparently this 
was more successful. Yes, it really took off. Yeah. And that would have been quite an investment for the women involved because yeah, they were cheap. Were these very things. expensive. I mean, this is the cusp, the dawn of photography, and I don't know how women would have or chosen to afford this. You know, oh, I really want to save up to get a daguerreotype to mail it in to maybe win a contest from this awful man who is going to judge me against all these other. <laughs> it's not a good use of your money, ladies. No, <laughs> no, but <laughs> oh well. Say lovey. All right, so P.T. Barnum starts this trend, and there's sort of sporadic local events here and there, um, and all the way up until the 1920s, and then the 1920s is sort of the big boom, where it really hits the popular conscience, or consciousness consciousness <laughs> oh dear maybe it hits their conscious conscience too. well it should it should <laughs> it hit their conscience should. it should hit them right right in the gut um so in the 1920s bathing suits were popularized um in australia first which was interesting kellerman what's her name who we talked about in our bikini episode correct so we have some overlap there mm. earlier reference and just for those of you who may not remember or maybe mm. didn't listen to that episode um what was her first name mm. annette kellerman yeah i think you're right um, she was the Olympic swimmer, right? The Australian swimmer. Correct. Who, I mean, she was really awesome. Yeah. And, and she went on to act and do a bunch of other things. Right, right. Um, and she popularized like reasonable bathing suits Correct. for women, which Correct. like more power to her, right? Um, yeah, so, so you this can get is, some speed and compete. Right. We had talked about this, that previous to this bathing suits for women were those like basically full dress ensembles. <laughs> Swimming costumes. Petticoats and crap and right. hats and stockings. And uh, she popularized what was initially a very, very scandalous bathing suit, mm. which was the kind of that 20s look with the kind of shorts, one piece tank kind of thing, but a much more um, easily swim inable mm. outfit, which was great. But of course, what does society do but take that and turn it into like a physical look at me contest <laughs> for women or not look at me I suppose so much as like look at them in judge their bodies right <laughs> you yeah. can see more of their bodies so now we can judge them it went quickly from being empowering to mm. female athletes to eye candy for mm -hmm. the masses on beaches and in contests now so it's, it's a terrible you. reversal of it's an original intention you said that much more eloquently <laughs> than I did but so. I had to, I got to listen to you say it all first and then craft <laughs> synopsis at the end thank you <laughs> we're really picking up for each other in this we episode are here. you know it's good. <laughs> we, we care about each other <laughs> so uh yeah so as the bathing bathing suit came into fashion um the concept of bathing beauty contests uh, quickly arose yeah so these bathing beauty contests became popular as an entertainment in beach resorts or seaside mm. resorts resort towns um they would host these to sort of draw people and uh, get audiences so, uh, of course, naturally, uh, the place where they really, really kind of coalesced and started to come together, and of course, where the very famous Miss America pageant was born, was in Atlantic City, which uh, debuted the Intercity Beauty Contest in 1921. And the point of it in the first place was very commercial. It was basically they were just trying to attract more tourists to the city. Um, in the fall when, you know, tourism typically would kind of drop off. So mm -hmm. they held this and I think it was like September or something as a way to try to keep people in the city by advertising this like, oh, all of these beauties here in the city come <laughs> for the for the beauty contest. It was after Labor Day it would drop off. And so, mm. the, yeah, it was exactly, it was like a shoulder season promo event. And uh, my favorite detail of that, reading about that history, is the New York Times article title uh oh, describing yeah. this so the new york times the title was 1000 bathing girls on view in pageant 150,000 see picked beauties in one piece suits in atlantic city's fall event eight miles of rolling chairs people from 100 cities guests at governor's ball which closes celebration that was one headline <laughs> if you didn't if you didn't quite get that if you weren't sure <laughs> there's nothing i love more than old-timey newspaper headlines. headlines they're just wonderful they are endless <laughs> and amazing it reminds me of those really old um, novel titles that just go on and on yeah which blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah yeah it was yeah. the um it was like the first novel and like every chapter title was like just literally described absolutely everything that happened in that chapter tom jones tom yes. jones <laughs> yeah yes it reminded me as well about that 
yet. <laughs> um, so in this first, uh, it wasn't yet called the Miss America pageant, but it would morph into the Miss America um, in the, the very first time it happened. So it was September 7th, 1921. And uh, there was a panel of judges, but their votes only counted for 50%. The other 50% uh, was based on the applause from the audience. So <laughs> sort of a democratic uh, experience <laughs> there. And it reminds me of people, you know, texting in, text now to vote for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It's like the non pretext version of, of the reality yeah, audience, TV show with participation. the audience right. participation. Right. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. Now, okay, was this the one where the um, – was it this one or another early one where the uh, part of the – criteria for judging them was like i don't know what five percent for like head shapeliness or something like it was it was like really broken like down in specific terms of physical <laughs> measurements and qualifications and yes. something about um uh torso shape or something which okay <laughs> and also we should say right now there is a if you haven't seen it already there's a fantastic john oliver segment about mm-hmm. the miss america pageant which i very gleefully rewatched nice. last night in preparation for this and he had a, a great bit about how um the torso thing was so such a great euphemism <laughs> for basically, you know, men talking about a woman's breast size <laughs> at the time. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> I will always recommend John Oliver. Just it's watch true. watch yes. all the John Oliver all the time. Unlike P.T. Burnham, he gets two thumbs up. Yeah. Mr. Ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Love John Oliver. So the winner of the first Miss America was a 16-year-old named Margaret Gorman, and she was the youngest and the smallest by dimension, um, winner of the Miss America pageant. And uh, I think now they have age restrictions that you have to be above. Yeah, you can't. Be. Yeah, <laughs> so, she was only 16. Yeah, right? she was quite young. But this is sort of early days before mm-hmm. they put all these rules in place. So. Well, now they have the, like, Miss Teen. Correct. USA or whatever, yes. So, and so I, she could enter that. Yes. Yes. Margaret God. May, have, <laughs> may have swept the teen competition in the modern day. <laughs> well, okay. And uh, was it, like, the first five years or something of the Miss America pageant that they were awarded a, like, golden mermaid yes. statue <laughs> so they received the title of the golden mermaid but they also received a like carved statue of a golden mermaid reclining the theme this- of the because it was atlantic city the theme of these contests was was much more kind of nautical and yes. like apparently seaside. yes seaside and neptune would be there as a mascot <laughs> king neptune he was like presiding over the over contest the king neptune yeah. yes and unfortunately i haven't seen a picture of the guy dressed up as as neptune presiding over the same thing. <laughs> yes. oh, uh, they did win a hundred dollars, though. Hey, so there was a bit of a cash prize, which back bucks. then would have been a little more significant, significant right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so for the next seven years, contestants paraded. This happened on the beachfront, and it was always an aquatic theme. And then by 1928, um, it was abandoned, A, because of the Great Depression uh, starting up, and B, concerns that this, these contests and this one in particular encouraged loose morals mm. so shut down the same way pt yeah. barnum did so Can't a lot of loose uh, morals yeah a lot of morality creeping up in these uh, contests uh, but the great depression uh, was improving and by 1933 it started up again so um they're upgrading from prizes like a fur coat or perhaps film opportunities uh to scholarships when they started back up they go okay we really need to up the ante here on some of these prizes and maybe legitimize it a bit more so they start adding scholarships uh they add a talent portion to the competition as well so women are being judged on not just their purely physical um appearance and, uh, at least <laughs> i love to okay so like it's kind of the uh the stereotype of the beauty pageant talent portion where they're like twirling a baton <laughs> or ribbon dance. or ribbon dancing yes. um so you think that like you know that's that's like Déclassé now, and they're not doing it, but they still are. Yes. Like there yes. was somebody recently talking about. There's some of them still do like ventriloquism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, I have, you know, lots of them are like opera singers and ballet dancers and stuff, and that's that's real cool. I mean, right. you know, nothing against baton twirlers and ventriloquists. Yeah. That's a skill. If that, that's your passion. You know, we yeah. love it. But it seems odd that not. I speak for myself, but I'm assuming most of our listeners probably don't know anyone in real life who does those things. And it's such a cliche that you would still find them yeah. in the pageant circuits in such concentration, right? If, if there were one, yeah. maybe, but it seems like it crops up again and again in these well, circles. I mean, okay, so say you're like 
a little girl getting into the pageant circuit and like what if you just you're tone deaf and you have mm-hmm. no rhythm so you can't do anything musical and you can't do you can't do the dancing but you need a talent because you really you're pretty and you really want to do beauty pageants and get that scholarship money and meet donald trump <laughs> um so like i guess you have to find a talent that you can that you can do Display. so i guess that's when you take up ventriloquism <laughs> i don't know it's awful i i also think a lot of talents aren't that show worthy you know if i well, were to right, yeah. speed read on stage no, which would impressive. have to be my talent that's, that's not just impressive it. it at has all. to be a talent that <laughs> yes. is like visual performative right. yes. yeah like yeah, something absolutely. engaging to watch you perhaps, can't perhaps i could give an elocutive speech yeah, yeah <laughs> memorize something there you go you can't like you know do taxes on stage right. or i don't even know big quilting on stage quilting is probably not all that terribly dull it would <laughs> be wonderful so maybe that maybe maybe that is the reason you get the, these like these weird obscure right like talents yes the reaching for something yeah, that can be performed. Something physical and entertaining. But still, I feel like there are more entertaining talents that aren't represented. I've never seen a stand-up comedian. I was just going to say and that. And that would be phenomenal. Right? If she were genuinely funny and, and political and, you know, mm-hmm. started making jabs on stage, that would, I would admire that. I feel like that'd be too sharp, though, It would be, well. Maybe. That's all right. It'd but, like, you don't prodding. get, um... I don't know. Do you, I? I don't. I, you know, full disclosure. I haven't really I haven't watched all that many either, yeah. beauty pageants. Right. I, I remember when I was younger watching a few, but mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it's. Is it a thing that like uh, contestants come and do like monologues, like hmm. do like acting, right? Drama. Yeah, I, I know. I don't recall I don't know. a lot of that. Could you perform a, a Shakespeare sonnet or something? Mm-hmm. I feel like I would rather do that than juggle. Right. It's a little more academic. Our academia is showing. Mm. We're like, can we get some respectable talents up yeah. here? Something that we approve of that shows I mean, your we have to intellectual. No offense to people who juggle very, yes, control batons true. and do true. ventriloquism. Those are all impressive skills. Yes. Just because ventriloquism is not my personal favorite thing. Right. Lots of people right. love it. And, you know, you no do, shame. You do you. You do you. You do you. But yes. we're just trying to figure out, you know. The talent portion. It seems skewed towards uh-huh. less intellectual and perhaps less practical skills. Aside from the, like, you know, really amazing dancers and singers. and Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah. 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 I think I was, I was surprised when I read that one of the most recent winners, her talent had been jazz dance. And <laughs> I, I think of jazz dance as... Six-year-old girls, you know, <laughs> posing for your yearly photo. Oh, like okay. Your little... See, this is your see. This is the problem, right? Your right. your misinformation is showing. Well, jazz dance has a <laughs> has a long and very celebrated history. Uh, it does. It's a form of modern dance that I will take your word for it, Dana. You should. I enjoy your defense. Of jazz dance. <laughs> I know. I know a little something about yeah, this, so I will defend true. jazz dance. All right. I'm willing to accept. Yeah. So please write in if you if you do Ooh. baton twirling and take us to task for yeah, our yeah. hopefully not too snide no. comments about but it. Share your enthusiasm for yeah. it with us and explain why we could potentially like it too. <laughs> this has been such a digression. But yes. you know, we're just trying to puzzle out beauty pageants. Yeah, some and the talent portion is is part of that. So mm-hmm. bear with mm-hmm. us. All right. So anyway. That's okay. We're moving forward to nineteen thirty seven. Uh, so the winner was, uh, and I threw this in here just because I don't know why this is so funny, but I love that winner Betty Cooper of New Jersey uh, decided she was not going to participate in, even then, the demanding schedule of public appearances. So if you win Miss America today or Miss USA, you're roped into an entire year and probably longer of these grueling publicity schedule and appearances and talk shows and radio spots and all, all the rest of it. And that existed even in the 1930s. So Betty Cooper decides, ah, I'm not up for any of this. And and her male escort, who had, who I guess was a role that you had to have, you needed a man to escort you for this contest, just drove her off in a boat after <laughs> after the uh, contest. She wins. I really like She just that. gets jetted away in a, in a boat. And, uh, See ya. Yeah, like, peace out. And, uh, and then refuses to talk to the press about this later. I'm sure they went knocking on her door. And she just... No, I don't have anything to Which say to you. Awesome. Yeah. Good for you, Betty <laughs> take Cooper. Take the crown and I'm not going to do any of the work. <laughs> I like that. She's like, that's awesome. She's totally doing this beauty contest on her terms. Yes. Good for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I do just want to also go back. There's, mm. you know, one of the, <laughs> there are, you know, a number of problematic things with beauty pageants. 
Um, one of them historically has been the really, really, really overt and awful restrictions about race. Mm. Um, and up until pretty recently in history, um, black women weren't even allowed in the Miss America pageant. Um, so African Americans were featured in the 1920, oh. sorry, in the 1923 pageant during a dance performance where they played slaves. Mm. I remember cringing when I read I know. that sentence. Oh God. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Lovely. So it wasn't until decades later that, um, I can't remember. Do you have a note about what year it was that they, they finally took away the rule about, um, contestants having to be white? Yes. So, um, the contest in its early years was informally segregated. I think mm-hmm. because everyone just assumed that people of color right. would not be allowed and, in. And nobody tried it. Right. There yeah. was no one sort of breaking down the bars to get in, um, understandably. Um, but it was formally segregated when it started back up after 1933. Right. And then it was unsegregated in 1950. So mm. up until 1950, there was a rule requiring, quote, contestants must be of good health and of the white race. Oh, <laughs> String those two things together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotta be healthy. Little... Gotta be white. Right. <laughs> um, and in 1968, uh, the black community decided to hold, a, I guess, a protest pageant. Um, and they had the Miss Black America pageant mm. at the same time in Atlantic City while the Miss original protest. Miss America contest Which, was going on. I'm so torn by this because yeah. it's like I get, you know, it's a great form of protest. Um, and it makes sense that they would do that mm-hmm. but it is still kind of like yeah but it's just another beauty contest <laughs> right. like, it's, it's a more inclusive beauty contest but you're still yeah, yeah. i know the the egalitarian in me approves and the mm. feminist in me disapproves mm. <laughs> yeah so it wasn't until um 1970 uh i mean while we're on the subject of talking about mm-hmm. yep. the history of segregation uh in beauty pageants so it wasn't until 1970 that the first black woman won a state level competition for the miss america pageant um so cheryl brown was crowned in iowa of all places that's even like I, I i thought well that's interesting that it's not like new york or right. or i don't know one of the southern states or somewhere i don't know just sure. iowa i don't know <laughs> what the black population I, yeah. was in iowa in 1970 but it just doesn't strike me as no the first state to that would have a black winner <laughs> right, right, but okay you know go iowa <laughs> yes, yes um but iowa. so that was 1970 uh, so, of course, she was Miss Iowa, and that meant she competed in the in the national um, competition. Uh, it wasn't until 1984 when, uh, infamously, <laughs> Vanessa Williams uh, won Miss America. She was the first black winner of Miss America. And then, of course, um, she got stripped of her title because she appeared uh, in Penthouse Nude, um, although apparently they were unauthorized. Yes. photos i'm not sure exactly yes. what that means i assume she knew that these pictures of her had been taken but she did not authorize them to be published in the magazine and with just a couple of months left mm. um before the next winner would be selected she was stripped of her title um but you know go vanessa williams because yeah. she certainly did not let that be the end of her career and she as we all know went on to be a fantastic singer and actress and do right. very well for herself so yeah. she was able to parlay that publicity mm. into a very successful career for herself yeah. so yeah yeah i know i kind of thought well it's a good launching spot although it would have been very rough i'm sure to go through at the time but mm. yeah Give her. so i skipped ahead a little bit that's okay we can double back so where are we headed to now all right so speaking of inclusivity in uh, 1945 the first jewish winner bess meyerson um won the miss america pageant so we're seeing okay some gradual maybe begrudging inclusivity um and that was also the first year that the first scholarship was awarded so um bess won five thousand dollars towards her academic career so go best you know a good step forward and uh, then a little controversy. Ooh, 1951. Uh, the winner, Yolande Betbeezy. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, she refuses to pose in public in her bathing suit. And oh, she, yeah, I like she that. says her quote is, I'm an opera singer, not a pinup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so one of the sponsors, Catalina Swimwear, was upset by this opinion and pulls their sponsorship and basically starts the Miss USA and then which goes on into the Miss Universe contest. Uh, which is, we next say, the year. one... 
uh, owned or not co-owned, co-owned by, by Donald by Trump. Trump. Correct. Not anymore. Or no, no, no. Um, NBC. Uh, they pulled the Miss USA, Miss Universe pageant, right? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know the really recent. Um, I think that's issues what happened. With that. Okay. I I know. I was reading that they were having trouble getting networks to to carry it. So, hmm. You know, a little recent controversy. Um, so these were created, the Miss USA and the Miss Universe were created as an alternate to the Miss America. And they were basically commercial vehicles for the swimwear. <laughs> so it was a contest where the, the ladies are guaranteed to be in swimwear <laughs> yeah. and uh, probably a lot of it from that brand. Um, so as we move forward into the 1960s, we start to get more ladies that kind of feel the way we do. And we see some feminist protest of the competition. Um, in Outside of the 1968 competition, um, activists were holding signs and they had... Um, like a symbolic garbage can and they were throwing they were burning bras yeah they (laughs) really were and they were throwing like penthouse and playboy magazine um in the garbage can and this sort of stuff so this great like sort of street activism um they had a freedom trash can that's what it was called (laughs) (laughs) they were out front protesting and uh and then we get into the 1980s so we see um as we already mentioned vanessa williams and uh breaking color barriers um, and then we get into so, some of the sort of more recent controversy. Well, and interestingly enough, I mean, we should say that uh, the Miss America pageant, I mean, it was such a big deal in 1984. Mm. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to gasp. <laughs> Our listeners may be able to tell that I am kind of recovering from a, from a cold. So um, I sound a little whatever. So bear with me. But um, uh, I think still by kind of, 1984 so it was still a big deal Mm. beauty pageants maybe not and and like the articles we read they it did kind of start to decline with the second wave feminist movement starting in in the 60s um as more and more women actually stood up and started to point out the problems with with holding contests right only for women judging them on their looks exclusively <laughs> right. um which I, I don't feel we need to go into mm. necessarily what the issues with that are everybody <laughs> has done that and anybody who listens to this right you know should should know why that is somewhat problematic um so they did kind of start to decline even at that point in, in viewership and stuff even by the 1980s they were still uh, more important to American society in general and it was such a big deal that Vanessa Williams was stripped of her title and like it was this really big thing because Miss America was supposed to be this wholesome you know womanly ideal Mm -hmm. kind of reminds me of the whole like angel of the hearth kind Mm -hmm. of thing from Victorian periods like she was supposed to be you know gorgeous and sexy but in a non-threatening way and you know kind of not really own her sexuality but be something to look at and like all of these things right um but kind of more and more since then, I mean, it's it's a fact that that viewership of these pageants has really taken a nose dive, and even more so in the last kind of number of years. And just in the last few years, like what was it? I don't know. Say it was like six million people watched in 2014. The next year, it was like four million. Like they are they yeah. are it's dropping by millions each yeah, year, hemorrhaging right. viewers. Yeah. So they're the viewership is dropping dramatically, and I think the contest or the pageant itself isn't the sort same sort of national event that it no. used to be you know it was almost on par with something like the super bowl where people would sit down and watch people mm-hmm. would talk about the results the next day um if social media had existed earlier and it's you know people would have been all about the winner on social media <laughs> and some um, people still are some course. are but i think the sort of national conscience national consciousness consciousness <laughs> uh isn't as captured by it well, as it used to be. And I think there's, um, I mean, some people are still very into it. And, you know, one of the interesting articles we read was by a reporter for Bustle mm-hmm. who um, went and, and kind of tried to suspend her, her own personal criticism. And she actually was able to do that and, and was impressed with the the general spirit and the amount of, of um camaraderie and and passion Mm. that you know goes into the miss america pageant was impressed with some of the young women who were there you know cheering on their favorite contestants and um but i think kind of in in wider society now beauty pageants do uh, they weren't they're, they're seen as 
kind of cheesy now i think they're they're not as cool as maybe they were they're almost kitsch yeah cultural kitsch yeah Yeah. they are which i can't say i mind (laughs) probably a good thing i think they're kind of going the same way that barbies are like slightly distasteful like it's still still mainstream enough that Mm -hmm. everyone's familiar with them but it's got an edge well because enough holes have been poked i think and enough criticisms made that even people who maybe roll those roll their eyes a bit at those criticisms it's still pervasive enough that it's hard not to i mean how do you debate the fact that like we're literally judging these women <laughs> on their looks and you can dress it up all you want with talent and, right. and questions and platforms and platforms like these, these women have to do all these um, right and public should, service works which which is very good very progressive and, and we you know. we should say that yeah, yeah. that like the, we're definitely not impugning the the women and young women who take part in these in these competitions because most of them or a lot of them seem to be um very impressive people who are like i mean you do you watch these and they're like oh she's got her phd in neuroscience (laughs) and she's also an amazing opera singer and she's world traveler and running this foundation for you know children with this uh you know congenital blindness or i mean like like, we need more people in the world like this um and it's i mean that it's so it's so easy to to be kind of a little torn here because Mm -hmm. like that is awesome and if this is an organization that is pushing these these ladies to do this that's fantastic like they're doing amazing things no doubt about it but for me what just kind of really sours the whole thing is that it is at its core based on what they look like and if you don't conform to conventional beauty standards then you don't get the chance to to kind of do these things and have have your voice heard in this way or win these scholarships and mm. i'm just gonna go on a little <laughs> rant right now and and watch again watch the john oliver mm-hmm. segment for a much better version of this but the problem with the whole so miss america touts itself as as a scholarship organization <laughs> and i always think of um if anybody's seen the movie miss congeniality yes which is very entertaining movie, it is I very think. Entertaining. Um, and there is a line all the way through about how it's not a beauty pageant; it's a scholarship fund or whatever. <laughs> um, and yes, they do give scholarship money to to their their winners. But John Oliver and his team really took a hard look at this. Mm-hmm. And first of all, um, Miss America, it turns out, is actually giving out a lot less money than they were claiming to give out. Unfortunately, their line about being the organization that provides the most scholarships to American women is true, which is horrifying, kind of heartbreaking. And and John Oliver, again, he points that out on his show and he, he lists a number of other American um, scholarship and scholarly organizations that provide scholarships to women and says like, go contribute money to these so that maybe the Miss America pageant won't be the foremost provider of scholarships exclusively for women, which is, which is, very problem. I mean, it's great that they're giving scholarships to women, but it's just so fundamentally horrible it, because the whole it's based thing based on looks. It's based on looks. You can't. You don't get brutal. these scholarships right. unless you conform to this ideal standard of beauty for women. It's it's so restrictive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If they really cared about the good work that these women are doing, it would be a uh, philanthropy or a um, you know a foundation award competition and you know people from all over america would be touting their good works and their foundations and then the winner would get such and such dollars to go and contribute to their foundation no matter what they looked like mm-hmm. you know and perhaps they're all women maybe it's to encourage women to you know do good works in the community or something but it's it's not at all <laughs> it's, no it's which of these very attractive women can we also say is doing are doing these, mm-hmm. these other well and not even great, just great things. Uh, yeah like oh, oh, oh also still the requirements for contestants entering the miss america pageant you have to be unmarried you can never have been married and you can never have had a child you can or you can never have been, been pregnant. pregnant yes um so yeah yeah also very problematic (laughs) problematic. and i feel like i shouldn't even have to explain why and i won't right yes (laughs) (laughs) as a little over 
a little cap, um, some details on the John Oliver uh, bit on that. What I found really interesting because I hadn't watched his segment, which I really want to go watch mm. now. Um, so the Miss America tagline was basically that they give $45 million in scholarships. Right. Uh, they're made available every year by the competition. Oh. And that's very precise wording. So $45 million made available. And uh, when John Oliver's researchers really dug into this, they found that it was closer to $6 million that was actually awarded to women because the Miss America um, organization was counting uh, say multiple scholarships offered to one contestant who could only choose one you know because she can only go to one university she can only do one program but if they offered her say twenty thousand uh in scholarships and she took one five thousand dollar scholarship they would count all 20 even though she didn't she only received five because she can only pick one but they're saying we're but they're making saying, well, that available we're making it available to her and they would count all the money that they made available but wasn't claimed or wasn't right. given out so just the fact that they're ponying up this money that never actually gets given out is the dollar amount that they're touting instead of what is actually going into the pockets of these women to use for their education. So it was, there's a big gap between 45 million and 6 million. And it's great that they're putting $6 million into these women's educations, Mm -hmm. but you know, be honest about the numbers that are actually going out there. And it was funny because when you mentioned how, it's crappy it is that they are still the number one donor for scholarships for women um i could believe that at, at the 45 but at the six i i was so much angrier to think that six million is the largest sum i know I, I was like really that's they're still the number one you know when you drop 45 million down to six million and it's they're still the number one you yeah. know like what, what are national science foundations doing what are national you know research foundations doing i mean oh it's just so aggravating that that's still the case so Anyway, those are those are some of the the digits that really hit me from that yeah. segment. It is depressing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, just as you know, as we're kind of now talking about modern beauty pageants, one of the other kind of interesting and, and bizarre aspects is the the question portion, <laughs> right, yeah. of the evening, um, where and again, just watch the John Oliver segment <laughs> because some of these questions they're just. I mean, they're insane. Um, <laughs> asking about all sorts of really complicated, like foreign policy stuff, and ridiculously like difficult moral and ethical questions about uh, like ISIS and about like Edward Snowden and whether he should be branded a traitor, and like all of these like really complex questions. And if you if you watch some of these clips and the the judges are are giving these really wordy questions mm. that go on for several seconds and then the contestant has 20 seconds to solve this unsolvable riddle <laughs> of a of a world problem <laughs> and as John Oliver points out i mean there's a lot of you know you can go and find on youtube like the worst beauty pageant <laughs> answers. And there was that famous, infamous one of from a few years ago, ago of that uh, poor teenage girl who just like stuttered her way through this question. And I won't even repeat it. Um, but uh, like a lot of them, they in 20 seconds, they give these like really quite thoughtful and succinct and um, pretty decent answers to uh, to some of these questions. So, I mean, again, like, these women are impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to, you know, there is that stereotype of the bimbo uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the tiara. Um, but these are impressive women. So I don't want to throw shade on these individual women. It's, it's the whole construct that. Yeah. The whole institution me. that these women of talent and beauty are forced to compete in a structure mm. created well, for forced. The viewers. Well, not forced. No, that's true. They choose to do but it. One of the legitimate, successful paths they can take towards a big monetary prize at the end is like this patriarchal structure of men get to look at you because you're very attractive and they and sing an amazing operatic <laughs> aria and they give this incredible answer to a, an right. insane question about foreign policy <laughs> and they also have to parade around in heels and right. a bikini and a bikini with butt glue with butt to glue hold everything in place right yeah. when they could be you know i mean they're also starting businesses and mm-hmm. going into government and, and but how much other impressive how much things of this energy that they're putting into these these right. contests to this yeah could they be spending doing yeah getting more even more degrees right. and right. starting even more philanthropic foundations <laughs> we're just enjoying their lives we're just enjoying their lives i mean it's yeah. absolutely arduous and rigorous training mm. that a lot of them have been in since childhood i mean yeah. if you think about the years of 
sweat and tears and training and oh well and we did you know it all include an article about child beauty pageants and i thought maybe if there was time we would go into that a little bit but i think we're if we start in on child beauty pageants we're going to talk for the for another hour so we better not but um yeah that's a whole other thing too (laughs) 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 well i i do want to get to our short list of very quirky alternative oh yes this is a really good way to end actually and i have a quote too from the bustle writer that we've mentioned earlier um, who, you know, had to reconsider her opinions um, on contests. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you want to hear first, Dana? Do you want to hear the quote or do you want to hear the crazy other beauty contests that are out Give there? Give us the quote because the okay. crazy contests are kind of the, the fun they thing are kind to of fun. Okay. I think. All right. So um, writer Gabrielle Moss wrote a Bustle article that we will link to. And we've talked about her a little bit earlier in this. Um, and leaving the the pageant, she was sort of musing about the experience and and you know, thinking about her perceptions of the contest. And uh, so the quote that I have from her is at the end, she kind of came to this conclusion and she said, quote, this was, I hoped the future of Miss America, a world where she exists to be celebrated by the people who love and identify with her rather than casting a shadow over mainstream culture to the point where her very existence feels like an oppressive force to women who want to be something else. Miss America is now not the ideal of American womanhood. She's simply one more way to be a woman. Mm. So I thought, which, "Mm, you know, sure. That's, it's a good option yeah because there are lots of women out there who love this and strive for this Mm -hmm. and and like you said we don't want to get down on them but we don't want this to be the ideal for everyone (laughs) yeah and i'm sorry i still find it problematic (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so maybe you will not find these other ones quite as problematic dana so i uh, i would love to maybe not be a contestant but i would love to watch the uh started in 1999 the miss klingon empire i was hoping that because that is my favorite (laughs) Of all of these. I literally scrolled up on the screen and saw that. I was like, gasped <gasps> <laughs> <Yes>, in delight. <laughs> awesome. It's just, just so great. And awesome. they do like the the forehead prosthetic and everything. These contestants really get into it and they come up with a Klingon name for themselves and and they're just so fierce. Like there was a picture of one of the winners and she was just glowering and yeah. she looks so strong. It was great. She's a Klingon. She is a Klingon woman. And anyone who's familiar with Klingons knows they are not to be toyed with. Uh, all right. So in 2003, um, ooh, uh, uh, kind of a, I don't know, problematic, rough, scary, uh, sad, really sad um, contest started called Miss Landmine. Oh, Ooh, terror. So this is, uh, I, I can't decide if it's empowering or just well, sad. Okay, you, you tell about this, but then you have to okay. let me tell what the prize was. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's terrible. So this was started by um, a guy who was visiting family in Angola and saw the, I think like these kids in an alley um, mimicking a beauty contest. But at least one of the children had lost a limb to a landmine, and he had this idea of you, you know what there should be beauty contests for people who have lost limbs. And I applaud for his sense of women. inclusivity. Well, for women, that's true. It's not. I don't think it's open to, to boys. Um, so I applaud his sense of inclusivity, but I question whether this is the best method to uh, forward the needs of people who have had their lives affected by the tragedy of landmines and, and you know, horrible disfigurations and loss of limb. And so, so, so it's been held so far in Cambodia and Angola. And, and the, um, the winner gets a prosthetic limb. Yay. So oh this guy went to the trouble of starting a beauty pageant right. to benefit women who have lost limbs yes. to landmines instead of going to the effort of starting a charitable organization that just gives prosthetic just limbs fundraise. to people who need them right. as opposed to choosing the prettiest girl <laughs> and making her parade around in a contest so that she then gets a prosthetic, prosthetic limb. limb. Oh You're my hot God. enough to be whole again. Oh. Oh I'm doing like the, the munch scream ah! yeah. <laughs> expression right now. It's just yeah. so terrible. Yeah. Like so. this is one of those dudes where like, <sighs> I guess his heart was in the right place, but yeah. just execution is so, oh it's such God. a fail. I just can't yeah. get on board with that. No, I know. I, I was like, maybe. And then I read that. I was like, I know. no, I know. Right up until no. then, I was like, okay, yeah. okay. And then right. I read that. I was like, nope. It's like, no, nope. out, nope. out. Yeah. No, can't get on board. Oh, God. So. <laughs> Yeah, there's that. So thumbs up for Klingons. Thumbs down for Miss Landmine. Uh, next, we have Miss Congeniality Prison Edition. Yeah. Which, which just kind of, I don't know, seems like fun. Um, so prisons, women's prisons, are holding uh, Miss Congeniality competitions. And in countries as diverse as Lithuania, Colombia, and Siberia, I mean, 
you're in lockup, I hear you have a lot of spare time. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. maybe this is like a, a time filler. Uh, okay, more problematic. And mm. uh, this made me think of the movie Hidden Figures, which came out recently. Yeah. Um, there was through from the 1950s to the 1970s, there was a Miss NASA competition. I've heard of this before. Oh, boy. I have not. I was yeah. shocked when I came across it. So basically NASA is ranking all of its uh, female employees, judging them based on looks, which is so... <sighs> Uh, <laughs> not appropriate. I mean, don't even need to explain why it's workplace not appropriate. Yeah. Is like, I think the most problematic, like my employer is now judging uh, my attractiveness. So lovely. Um, okay. This, and these are just like funny. There's a Miss Perfect Posture. Okay. Let me, yeah, I've got this. Uh, <laughs> let me say something. I love the Miss Perfect, perfect yeah. Posture, which is like held in the 1950s and 60s by like U.S. chiropractors associations, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, and they were uh, their posture was checked, and a plumb bob was used to check the straightness of their backs. <laughs> and they would use X-rays to examine spinal structures uh, and scales to evaluate weight distribution. Um, there was a great picture for that one with the winners like lined up, and then they had their X-rays lit up behind I them, know. so you could see like them and their spines. And they have great posture. They had great. They really did. Uh, so another one that. That is has like the creepiest picture <laughs> oh God, in yes. all of our research for this episode. Yep. Miss Lovely Eyes. <laughs> it's terrifying. During the 30s, a bizarre contest known as Miss Lovely Eyes uh, was popular throughout the U.S. Uh, so during the contest, all of like they would put these <laughs> these like just terrifying masks on these women um, so that nothing but could be seen except for their eyes, but also their noses. I don't know. It seemed like there was like a little piece that came yeah. down. Yeah. Or is like, there? No, you can see their noses really? in this picture. Oh, I thought there was like a flap. Maybe I don't maybe, see a flap. Uh, it seems to be their eyes and their nose. And it is terrifying. It, is, it looks like a serial killer mask. Yes. But there's a lineup of women wearing them. Yeah. They're all staring, like leering at the camera, although mm-hmm. they're probably smiling, but you can't see because they're, they look so creepy. It's the stuff of nightmares. It you really should, is. You should Google it. Um, also, kind of along the lines of the Miss Klingon, Klingon contest, uh, Miss Beautiful Ape. <laughs> uh, which was a contest that took place in 1972 to coincide with the release of the film Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And uh, so these women were in bikinis, um, but with like ape masks <laughs> over their heads. So there you go. Those ones at least make sense if you're competing for a role. Like I feel like if you have to cast someone for the Planet not. of the Apes. Yeah, I think that one went on. The to say that the winner. Oh yeah, she okay. Yeah, role future. So that at least, I mean, I don't like it, but I can at least see the the point in having these people compete for a role. Yeah. Um, To go along with the Miss Lovely Eyes judging random body parts, uh, we have the Miss Prettiest Ankles, Mm. (laughs) and this is sort of a throwback before you could do like a whole bikini pageant before that would be socially acceptable. Um, They would have women stand behind a curtain and they would raise the curtain high enough that you could see everyone's ankles, (laughs) and you would judge. From the opposite side of the curtain, based solely on ankle proportions, and apparently the judges like sometimes could feel the ankles oh, and measure Lord. them. Yeah, and uh, the advantage to this is older women can compete as well, and you know you had just as much chance as say your daughter because well, there you go. You know, if your ankles had kept their shape <laughs> later oh on in your life, you could uh, you know, get out there and <laughs> the whole thing so about terrible. ankles is like a sexy body part. <laughs> I mean, that goes back, right? Because, like, yes. I feel like it was kind of yes. more of a thing when, when, like, skirts were longer and, and clothes for women were just kind of much more um, covered up in general. So it was, like, a thing if you caught a glimpse of a woman's ankle. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, are there still... And this is kind of around that time period. Like, later. Yeah. Like later, after, though. La- later than Victorians, say. But earlier than it would have been okay for women to just be prancing around and yeah like from bikini. the 30s to the 50s prettiest ankle <laughs> that's awesome but i guess it would have been too shocking in like the edwardian period to do miss prettiest ankle because it was still like you had to cover your ankles right or at least not display them yeah. for judgment yeah <laughs> i just don't even know sure. uh so i'm gonna end yes. with um miss american vampire <laughs> which i think like <laughs> Okay, it's kind of awesome. I feel like there's a big market for that today. Yeah, I feel like that would be really in 1970. <laughs> the Miss American Vampire competition was conducted as a promotional tool for the film House of Dark Shadows, which was a feature-length horror. Um, and apparently, it was like a big thing with like regional contests all around the U.S. 
uh, and it was kind of finalized in California when Sachin Littlefeather was crowned as the National Women. And so this was open to women between 18 and 25 who were asked to come up with imaginative vampire looks <laughs> and they were they were graded on originality and charm and poise and unusual and even shocking costumes and makeup were advisable <laughs> so there you go a little overlap with halloween uh-huh. there. i like it <laughs> yeah yes so there you go so if dear listener the miss america pageant does not appeal to you there is a pageant almost for everyone. It really seems that there <laughs> not is. that we want to encourage you into the pageant life, mm. but if perhaps, you could choose one, perhaps you could find one of these more empowering uh, than than a traditional beauty contest. <laughs> so write in with your ideas for excellent uh, contests uh, pageants. Yes, but they have to be unisex. Right. Yes, we want to see the yeah. the gents up there competing as well. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, your ladies. Yes, your ladies sponsors male beauty pageants. <laughs> It's like reverse sexism. To me. <laughs> yeah, but we're an not excellent doing thing. That. Well, there was that sexy man reading books uh, calendar. You mm-hmm. know, we could do like a like a you know most literary man contest. Something most like that. literary man contest. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say we should stop holding formal competitions to judge to rank who people. Is the prettiest <laughs> right. person. Right. Let's just stop that. Let's stop doing that. End and that I'll trend now. End it. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I, know. I think we're done with beauty pageants. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you want to learn more, uh, as always, I'll be posting the uh, resources that we've used to prepare for our episode today, along with the podcast on our beautiful website, yesterladies.com. Um, it can if- win a pageant. That website is so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> right. I know. It is. It's gorgeous. It should win a pageant. I'm gonna little, put a little be a pretty icon of a pageant. tiara on our God, on not. our logo. Um, yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, oh, oh my God! Oh, and I gosh. should totally mention that. So in our last episode, we asked anybody who, <gasps> yes. mm-hmm, oh. anybody who is not personally known to mm-hmm. either one of us mm-hmm. to let us know if you listen. And it turns out that we have at least <laughs> oh. two listeners who are strangers to yes. us, although not anymore because they very sweetly got in contact with us. And we got this. I was like beside myself with joy when I got the email from Tim, from Tim, 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 <laughs> love Tim, Tim, we love you, Tim. We really love you, Tim. You're like our new favorite listener. <laughs> you are. You really are. Right. Thank you so much. Tim wrote in just to say that he doesn't know either of us. He lives in California. And I think he said he he works at or runs a food bank or a nonprofit, oh, which is like awesome. Tim. Yeah. I know. What? We love Tim. Oh my God. Tim is the best. I just want to say I got the most excited text I'd ever received from Dana when, oh, yeah. <laughs> when she got the email from Tim mm-hmm. and then let me know. I, yeah. like, I thought we'd been picked up by a national. No, no, no. Podcasting company. A stranger listens to us. A stranger listens to us. Tim. Tim. Absolutely. Tim. And then we got a a comment on our Facebook page from Martha. Martha. uh, Who is also a stranger to us. So I think now is the time to announce that we are naming our mic stands Tim and (laughs) Martha. This was Heather's idea. (laughs) Come on, Tim. You love knowing that there's a mic stand named after you. And Martha, there's now a mic stand named after you. I never quite agreed to this. (laughs) It's happening, whether she wants it or not. All right, fine. I'm getting one of those labelers. And I'm going to put Tim and Martha on. All right. It's happening. Well, anyway, <laughs> we love you both. Thank, thank you, you so much. Th- yeah. Thank you for writing in. That really yeah. made our day. Clearly. And, I mean, yeah. If there's anybody else out there who, who heard our previous appeal and doesn't know us and did not write in, now that you've heard how how much we love Tim and Martha, <laughs> please write in. Yeah. We don't have any more Mike stands to name after you, but no. I mean, we've got a table. We have all kinds of recording accoutrement we can just stick your name on so uh, or we could just say hi yeah in whatever let's we'll just say hi <laughs> but the, now i feel like there's you know there's like team energy here like mm. tim and martha started the yeah but they the, were the first so right. okay there's you the, know like, team leader and then you know now we're getting like group energy <laughs> happening here so <laughs> anyway join the club yeah join the club thank you so much tim and martha for yeah. listening and for letting us know that you listen because that like 
seriously really did make our day. It was super fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, like Tim and Martha did, <laughs> hey you can write to us at yesterladies at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash yesterladies. You can also find us on Twitter, where our handle is at yesterladies. And don't forget, um, I'll say again, it really does help. Even if you don't listen to us through iTunes, it would be kind of helpful if you went on to iTunes and left us a rating and a review because that really helps us with iTunes. It helps bump up our podcast. It helps get us, I don't know, more attention. So if you like Yester Ladies, um, please consider rating us on iTunes. That would be really helpful. And thank you if you already have. And yes, thank yeah. you if you already have. Yeah. We really appreciate it. We've got several like really nice comments yeah, on are iTunes. Super kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, granted, I'm pretty sure all of those people are dear friends of ours. But, you know, <laughs> that okay. doesn't make the endorsement any less special to us. So thanks, guys. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Dana. And I'm Heather. And thank you for listening. Bye.